So we're living in a time of change. 2012 was not the end. It was the beginning of a period of awakening, ascension, whatever you want to call it. So whether you go with the Atlantean people or whether you go with the indigenous people, the message is pretty much the same. And we're just going through this time of really change to go into a higher frequency. So even the Schumann frequencies, for instance, they are rising on the planet. So our planet Earth is actually shifting into a higher frequency. And we can attune to that just by maybe sitting on the ground and allowing our connection with the Earth. Today, I'm speaking with Patrick Sonko. He's an old friend of mine, as you will hear from back when we connected in New Zealand, when I was in business consulting and he was in the corporate world. What I find fascinating about Patrick's story, and you will hear more of it included here, is how he went from finance and HR into this deeply spiritual path. And he's now a spiritual coach and mentor who works with organizations as well as individuals in small group settings and one-on-one. We talk about how he integrates shamanism into journeying with his clients, but also sound and how sound can move us, heal us and help us rise to that higher vibration. There is so much in here. I'm not even sure where to start. Patrick shares some of his story and how he found his way to the jungle of Peru. We talk about being humble in our humanness. And even if we subscribe to the knowing that we are spiritual beings, that we're here having a human experience and the implications that has for how we approach life. We also talk about how we can raise our vibration through that internal meditation and turning inwards and how that really does impact our experience of the world around us. Patrick shares how he believes we are moving from the space of homo sapien to homo luminous and that our vibrations are changing everywhere. If you're fascinated by more new age, shamanistic, sound healing ideas, this listen is for you. You can find more about Patrick and his life and work partner, Cece Sonko, over at their website, sonkosworlds.net, and Sonko's is spelled S-O-N-Q-O-S. You can also find those details over in the show notes which you can find at heretothrive.com forward slash podcast 153. Without further ado, let me introduce you to Patrick. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. 
so magical that honestly, I just, your sounds mesmerize me. It's such an honor to have you on the show, Patrick. This has been a long time in the making, so I'm glad we are finally having this conversation. Thank you so much for having me here today. I would love to just talk a little bit about the fact that, first of all, I have known Patrick for, and we were talking about this the other day, I guess it's what, 12 or so years that we've been connected? It's a long time. And Patrick was a big part of my own awakening to my spiritual journey. I crossed paths with him through our work right when I was feeling this call to go deeper with soul. And so as is always the way, there are no mistakes and I don't believe any connections we have with other humans or other souls, we should probably say, are ever a mistake. And some of the work I did with you really helped helped me connect with that other part of me. Yeah. From my perspective, this is very beautiful to hear that. From my perspective, I had just started a job at Auckland Council and I had left lecturing. And so I was still a little bit like, what am I doing? And I came across Opera Consulting and we had a first meeting and it was just an amazing, amazing connection. And I just remember that it was beyond, way beyond that work relationship. And of course you came to me and you did a soul retrieval and we did a lot of other work together. And we had amazing coffee meetings that just went way beyond psychology or learning or anything that we were actually doing. But at the end, the results were also beyond. I felt each time we we had a meeting And that is possibly also not the right word. We all were expanding and more connected to self and to each other. Absolutely. I can just remember one of the reasons I love Patrick is you are an academic nerd as much as you are a spiritual guru, Patrick. What a good combination. (laughs) I think that's why you speak my language. But I can also remember us just meeting in my office in Auckland in New Zealand And I can remember talking about Avatar, the movie that had come out at that period and how I had just been so moved by Avatar because it really is this conceptualization of we're really just here in these human bodies. But what if we are not these human bodies at all? Yeah, same here. Avatar was so fascinating to me. I had to watch it a couple of times in 3D in New Zealand, in Auckland and It was just one of these things where you could just open up and fall into. We were talking about this uh, yesterday, Ceci and I. You know, sometimes there's a song, there's a voice, there's a movie, there's something in nature and you just fall into it and you realize you are actually no more that physical body. And I have come to name that the super or the heart consciousness. And I feel this is when the soul, when the spirit take part and when you actually observe your body, but you no longer your body. And I was very blessed to have these experiences all my life. I would love to hear more about how you have found this path, Patrick, because obviously we crossed paths 12 or so years ago. 
But as you just hinted then, you've had this experience of a deeper connection with soul your whole life. Can you take us back? Yeah, maybe the first was really nature for me. So I was very fortunate. My mother was an aprist, so I spent a lot of weekends at that time, not that happily, basically in nature, in a little old caravan, very basic. She was doing her bees and I was roaming around and I recall how I could climb up really high on a tree and just got lost in the horizons. And it was literally that I could see beyond and that I would come out of my body because I could see beyond. It was not my physical body that was sitting on the tree or in the night I would sneak out and just got lost in the stars. So I would, I feel this was one of my first experiences. And I think I meditated long time before I knew that it was called meditation. And so as you're growing up, you take a fairly traditional path, though, with education and things like that, did you not? In a way, not not traditional at all. I wanted to <laughs> No, Kate, not traditional. <laughs> not traditional. Uh, it's interesting because I always felt I was out of the box until I realized I was trying to fit in the box. I was outside, but I didn't know how to fit in. I started actually off with music. I wanted to study music. I sang, I played the clarinet, piano, accordion, and the other things you have to do. And I didn't have such a good relationship with my parents, so I didn't want to be dependent. So I actually did not go to university. And I ended up taking a training in hotel management. In any case, that brought me back home to Jamaica. And I was a tour guide for many years, which, which I loved because, again, I could just get lost beyond myself, you know. And again, one of these glorious experiences that just showed me my my connection to soul, to spirit, was when I was swimming in the morning for a sunrise, you know, it was like when the sun came up, I was embraced by the sun. It was not my body, it was just that connection with the sun, with the universe, with the ocean. So I had a lot of beautiful, beautiful experiences. And when I got in touch with the shamans in Jamaica, the Obia people that are often on the side, like the voodoo people that are giving bad curses and stuff like that, or clearing them, I had very beautiful experiences because they said to me, you know, that story that the Native American tell as well, there's the light and there's the dark. It depends who you are feeding. Mm. It is interesting. This is not a chronological time. I'm going back in time. I'm younger now, not in my 20s. And I said, and there is also a path of the heart. And that heart is even more than light. So that just came out of me and I'm still very conscious about it. So this is how it began. I did all kind of things, marketing and sales, all the things that I really don't like. <laughs> and it was in Indonesia. I was there being a financial planner that I fall into teaching and I became an English teacher and a substitute teacher at the Australian International School. And the principal there, he said, I always heard that teachers are born and they can't be educated. And now I finally met one. And so I didn't feel it this way. It was just, but I was more guided than I was 
educated, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And everything I read, and, and you know how it is with me in psychology, I read and I get, just get it. You it's definitely do. I, <laughs> I'm not overly nerdy. I'm not an overly reader, you know, but I get it. I mean, I taught ethics and I never studied ethics in my life, but I know it. And I have different viewpoints. It's, it's just that eclectic soul maybe that is coming in here. I am so fascinated because you mentioned, you know, you went into sales and marketing and you talk about being a financial planner and all of the things that you weren't right for you necessarily. What did you learn from those periods in your life? Like everything in life, and I think this is the most important, what are the lessons, you know? Even if you do something you don't really love, you still learn something. My lessons were that I had to learn this so I knew that was not my path. And I feel that's a beautiful lesson. It's forgiving yourself and accepting. Sometimes if you don't try it, you never know. Mm -hmm. And again, just the last couple of days, I was reflecting on my father. I had a difficult childhood and all of that, and, but he was what he was. He couldn't be somebody else. So forgiving happened when I was in my 20s. He also passed when I was in my 20s. And it's just the last year that I can talk about my dad and all his beautiful sides. So, you know, it is more than, the lesson is more than, yeah, I forgive myself, I did something stupid. No, no, you didn't do anything stupid. It is your soul needed to know what is for you and what is not for you. And sometimes this is the biggest lesson. And sometimes it's also about, it can be about a virtue. It can be about patience. It can be about love. How can I be compassionate to people who are doing marketing without their heart, without their soul, if I haven't been in it? Yeah, that's so powerful. Oh my gosh, right? Compassion. So when we talk about you moving to more of, well, not more of, I mean, obviously your path is now a very spiritual one and that's what you do for work. How did you make that pivot? Was it scary to pull away from, let's say, that Western world of financial planning and marketing and take this journey into deep soul work? Yes, that was fascinating. I, I was at Auckland Council as, I, as, as, you, as we met and I went through different restructures and I ended up then in the worst place and everybody was bullied and another restructure was there and I started to get burned out. I was there for everybody. I think my role was more, I was in capability then and what was it, methods and capability, but they said I was in magic and, and creativity. But I was really holding the people because there was so much suffering. And I got a two months holiday because they didn't fulfill the agreements that they had with me and I decided to go back home to Jamaica. And on that trip, I met new people and old people and family, and I decided I would return to Jamaica. And I knew that I would go back quit my job, and I did. And yes, it was very scary. As you're aware, I don't go to doctors, but I had now to go to a doctor because I didn't want to go to work. And he just laughed at me and he said, 
you're stressed and burned out and you're not going back to work. Write your, <laughs> write your resignation. And I had told them I just returned from Jamaica and said, and book your flight. Oh. So I'm grateful to that doctor. It was in Birkenhead. Just the clinic and just this amazing doctor turning up. And I had sick leave papers until I actually left back to Jamaica. That one doctor really wrote you the permission slip to say, go and follow your heart, go and follow your soul. You know what your calling is. Exactly. So sometimes it's people coming into your life that give you that last confirmation. Of course, I went to the beach in, in uh, Takapuna for hours and I connected with my goddess of the sea, with Yemanja, and I did all the other things. So the spirit world is usually my strongest support. But in that case, it was actually the doctor. Mm. And I'm very grateful. And yeah, it was my permission to go. I feel like this is that beautiful intersection of is spiritual. And I know this is many years further down that path of, of spirituality for you. But even though at that point, spirituality was your main source of, of strength and well-being, that you're still human. You know, you still needed the nudge in physical form to say, it's okay, go do yeah, I feel, you know, you can be a master, you can be a superhuman, you can be so connected to your soul, to your spirit, but the human needs to go with you. And there is the persona that we're having, the identity and the attachments. And we cannot just say that doesn't exist and you cannot hide it, you cannot deny it. This is what they also call the shadow work. You know, it's like you also have to embrace that. And over the last two years, we did a lot of work in, in burning these boxes that I was trying to fit in, which was beautiful. And, and it's simply blowing into a little stick the things that you want to let go and you put it into the candle. And Dr. Alberto Vialdo, which is kind of behind the shamanic training that I had, he was using that a lot and but it's still being humble in the humanness the humanness is also a gift you know and the humanness gives us the opportunity to be here to to smile to have that connection that we're having of course we're having a connection beyond that human but the human is the one that can touch we can look in each other's eyes we can smile at each other the human gives us a lot of richness of expression. So the light side of us, the soul, the spirit, that cannot touch, that is formless and timeless and beautiful flowing. But the human body, the human experience gives us the opportunity to take it into form. So it's a blessing in whatever way we're looking at it. It's so powerful to think about our senses, right? And I'm just looking out a window right now as we're recording this and just admiring the beauty of spring and it's it's physical reality. And that is our humanness, is this physical reality. And yeah, just you highlighting that is really touching my heart right now is that we're not trying to escape being human. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. Yeah. And why would you not enjoy the beauty that you have around you? This, your eyes are here to see the beauty. How many times are we looking for the buts and the ifs? 
how many times, oh, but this is not perfect, you know, when there is so much beauty. You cross paths with Cece, who is your life partner and your partner in work. Can we learn more about the magic that you create together and what you're doing now? Yes. So about eight years ago, actually pretty much eight years now, we, we met and pretty much we just decided this is a journey together. Ceci was always interested into the mystic. And so, yeah, it was almost without question. She came to Jamaica. So what we have created together, it's beyond development. It is creating together the, the synchronicities, the talents, or what we also call the higher soul. So for us, the higher soul is our potential, our gifts that we, of course, sometimes forget. And the lower uh, soul is the karma and, and the, the genetics and the, the statistics and the difficult side. So Ceci and I really connect on that higher level. And she has started to play a lot of instruments. She's very gifted, never learned anything, but she plays the drums, she plays monochord, all beautiful instruments. So we have found each other in the music for one. Sound, of course, is energy, is vibration, is resonance. We didn't write music, we just play together or we chant. And so we found ourselves in that. And then Ceci also learned to meditate and we get deeper into meditation. And we found, of course, that as deeper as you get in meditation and you have that connection to your soul and to your inner being, the more your life around you is changing. The meditation is, is a tool to actually get the brain waves on a lower frequency. So when we're in the crazy mind, it's a pretty high frequency and we're thinking and we're getting attached and identify with our thoughts. When we go in a theta or delta state, or into the superconscious, which is even below that, the brain is actually very, very quiet. And so from a Advaita perspective, from a self-inquiry perspective or self-discovery, this is when you actually fall into your heart. And this is when you connect with the what I call the light spirit work. For some people, it's the angels. For some people, it's ascended masters. For some people, it's the spirit animals that we also love. And so when you're getting out of the mind in the sense of the activity gets less, you come into a higher consciousness. So we were considering how can we help people and because, of course, both of us were in business and education, Ceci was also teaching at university. So we were figuring out how can we help people to get out of this stress, busy, crazy mind. And yes, yeah, spirit just guided us on this path. So we're creating unlearning experiences. We do free master classes to give people an idea what we are doing. Always includes instruments, always includes meditations. We are also helping people who are having meetings when they have difficulties to come together. We can make a little dedication, what used to be a prayer in another form to help to find together. And we're doing meditation circles, so we're recording meditations, and people meditate per week on particular topics. So that is also very, very beautiful. We are teaching the Munai Key, 
which is the nine rites of the of the shamans here in Peru of the Quero. And we have added three more rites and the rite of the womb, which is for the women. And we are actually doing first time online very soon. Exciting. I feel like you opened us with that beautiful flute. And as we talk about your work, I feel like it would be timely to take another little moment to hear some of your magical music, Patrick. That sounds excellent. Since I'm getting into the whole flute thing, so flutes can have different pentatonics. Flutes can be also different hertz. This one is an Arabian Arabian pentatonic, and I love it a lot. So I would like to share that with you now. That would be wonderful. my soul Patrick every time and I know you've sent me some recordings and yeah every time my a part as you and I know one of your favorite words is beyond but that really does feel like one of the only words I have a part beyond me almost resonates with that sound thank you so much it's about the heart and I feel sound is creating space for the heart yeah Sound takes you beyond because it's energy, it's frequency, and it's resonance. And if we're looking beyond the mind and the logic and everything else, and even beyond language that both of us love so much, there is sound and there's resonance. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me when you just talk about it's the frequency. It's like our bodies can recognize the frequency because higher consciousness, I assume there is an element of frequency to us as well. Yeah. So this is also what we're finding now that actually our frequency is rising. So we're living in a time of change. 2012 was not the end. It was the beginning of a period of awakening, ascension, whatever you want to call it. So whether you go with the Atlantean people or whether you go with the indigenous people, the message is pretty much the same. And we're just going through this time of really change to go into a higher frequency. So even the Schumann frequencies, for instance, they are rising on the planet. So our planet Earth is actually shifting into a higher frequency. And we can attune to that just by maybe sitting on the ground and allowing our connection with the Earth. 
And also the light quotient of the earth has gone from like 60 to 85. And as an individual, you can even rise it higher. So yes, the frequency and the, the high frequencies, they are now available. And more and more of us resonate. This is what's really happening and more and more resonate to the heart. So we're bringing the five elements, the fifth element being love into business now. It's all just, yeah, I get all like, I, I get all lost for words because it is this higher consciousness as you're talking about this higher frequency. What do we as humans experience as we move into those higher frequencies ourselves? We become truly more the observers. We are noticing, and of course, we're living now in a time of fear, of frustration, of anger. And I feel for many of us, it's very difficult to make decisions. And for many, they're still holding on to the past. They want an old normal that, of course, never existed. When you are in a higher frequency, when you're in a higher consciousness, you can just look at that with compassion. You are not judging anyone. You're not trying to convince anyone. You're not forcing anyone. You don't want to influence. You are really having compassion where people are at. And you approach your life with love, whether it is what you're standing for or not. You're also feeling easier in your life to say yes or no, without explanation, without fight, without offending anyone. So when you are in this higher consciousness that I call super consciousness, heart consciousness, not my own words, but I like it. You just stop fighting. You, you're noticing what's happening, but you are not against anything anymore. I remember years ago, I was reading about um, Mother, Mother Teresa, and she said, don't invite me for a demonstration against war. Invite me for a demonstration for peace. And until recently, I didn't really understand that. You know, it means I, I can only support. I don't, I can't judge anyone. I can't judge anymore. And life gives me all the lessons that I still need to learn. And whether somebody is on one side or another, this is where they are. One of my favorite sayings for myself is there is so much power in not fighting what is. And it doesn't mean you give in. <laughs> it doesn't mean you give in. It means you accept reality as it stands and you work with it. It doesn't mean you give in. But as I say to my clients a lot, there's a big difference between whacking your head against a wall just because you don't want the wall to be there or looking at the wall and saying, okay, we have a wall there. And if I don't like to be inside, maybe I decide to make a door or I find an open door. Rather than just hit my head against the wall over and over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And on that note, so the other thing that is very important to us, and, and we have figured that now over years of working and it it relates a little bit to spiral dynamics. You know, I love spiral dynamics, Carol Graves, and it's about that readiness to change. And you know, as long as we think everything is all right, we're gonna kick our head against that wall. It is only when we recognize that kicking the head at the wall is actually not what I really want. 
it's also not about the wall because maybe the wall is reality, but only in my mind. Maybe it's my own limitation. And there's a beautiful little uh, graphic that they made. And one is going down in the, in, in the revolutionary path. So when you then get really stuck and frustrated and you don't know what to do, and it's a really hard journey until you come to a breakdown into a kind of a new alpha. But of course, you could also be when you're more conscious, when you notice that your life conditions are about to change, your situation is not the same. Or also, of course, I love Karl Popper and the bombshell experience when I need to go beyond my rational and my logic. I could also surrender, not giving up, but letting go to the evolution of that change that is occurring, of that awakening. And so when we go that path, it might be a bit easier because you're not resisting. The new alpha is gonna come anyway, you can't fight it. Whether you see that on a global level or you see that on an individual level, you can't fight change. Change is the only one of the only permanent things that we have in life. So. I, I love really that metaphor and I feel it's important for us to know that only when people are really ready for change, you can actually help them. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer of that in my coaching practice as well. I'm thinking, Patrick, of I just have the, a picture pop into my mind of a person, it's the difference between a person swimming upstream or literally letting go and letting the flow of life carry them. And it doesn't mean I don't, I can't make my own little path. It doesn't mean that, but I'm not going against the stream. It doesn't mean that I don't know what I stand for and who I am. It doesn't mean that. We touched on the shaman tradition. Do you still weave that into your work today? Totally. Can we learn more about it? Because I'm sure there's so many people this, listening to this podcast and thinking, I don't even know if I know much about shamanism. Well, shamanism obviously is something that has been on the planet in different places of the world for a very long time. It's possibly one of the oldest spiritual traditions that we know. So shamanism in general is about the connection to nature and to the divine in a nutshell. And what we're finding that is very similar in shamanism, we are thinking about the physical energy, we're thinking about the symbolic, which is the mind and the thoughts and the emotions. We're thinking about the soul and we're thinking about the luminous. Many traditions now really feel the evolution as well and we're feeling that we're in a shift from the homo sapiens, men and women of the mind, to the homo luminous, the men and women of the light or the heart. So shamanism really is not as mystic as many people make it, but shamanism is really about a spiritual path. Shamanism is about the connection beyond. It helps on the energetic fields and in the energetic realms. You can learn to have a connection with an animal, a power animal or a spirit animal. Shamanic journeying is possibly one of the deepest experiences that you can have also in meditation. It can take you into the lower world, and we are still doing that, which is the past, like the soul retrieval. We can go into the middle world, which is the presence. We go into the upper world, which is the becoming, not the future. We are using 
the shamanic world in fire ceremonies. We are working a lot with the medicine of fire because it's a time of transformation, whether the fire is a candle or a fireplace that we have here, or if you meditate or do a shamanic journey about fire. So for us, shamanism is more about the journeying. It's about the connection to the spirit animal world and spirit world. And it is about the four energy fields that we have. As I said, the physical, the symbolic, the psychic, and the light spirit. Where are you located, Patrick, in the world right now? I can hear that music that is stirring my soul in the background. I love it. Yeah, we don't always love when the neighbor plays the music. <laughs> we are in the jungle of Peru, and we're close to a city called Tarapoto. There's also a airport, and we're up the hill about half an hour from Tarapoto, and they, uh, the place is called Lamas. So the jungle in Peru. Magic, magic. It is. I uh, ask all of my guests some intermission questions. Are you ready to just uh, completely change tact and me to ask some just nosy questions about you? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you have a favorite self-care activity, Patrick? Yoga and meditation. Is there a book that has touched you at an important point in your life? Celestine Prophecy. Oh, I feel like I've read it back in the day, but can, can I have a refresher of what's covered in the Celestine Prophecy? The Celestine Prophecy is about somebody's called to Peru and he, eventually he goes and he has all these experiences of wakening up. And at the end, he becomes part of a group that is finding a very beautiful temple. And in the end, they're becoming all invisible and they're having these experiences with energy. I read that, I think, in the late 80s, and I knew that was me. And look at where you are now in the jungle in Peru. Here we go. What is a life lesson that you feel took you a good long while to learn? Patience. How has that shown up in your life? It always shows up because I like things to, to grow immediately or I like things to heal fast. And even now we have started planting, you know, you put the seeds and then you check every day if something is coming out. So for me, the patience is really one of the most important things. And even in the Munaiki, we're planting seeds into the chakras and we need, the, we need to cultivate them and, and it takes patience. So patience is maybe my biggest life lessons. And patience for me is also a key to love. How do you feel like patience shows up in love? It's very easy to, to be so clear, what, not, not what you want, but, but how things could be. This ideal of love is very beautiful. But if you're not patient to let it grow, again, I'm coming back to the story of the seed. The seed of love needs time and needs nurture and the sun and all kinds of things and a network of beautiful things. So it is important, I think, in love that we have patience. That word nurture, I think, is so beautiful when you refer to love. How essential is it to nurture, to nurture? How would you describe the soul? The soul for me is the part of our being that carries our potential, our information through maybe the lifetimes or whatever we believe in. 
And I do believe we have an upper soul and a lower soul. I mentioned that earlier a little bit. I feel the upper soul is all the amazing things that we can do, all of our talents beyond that physical experience that we're in here right now. So for instance, in the shamanic way, what we would do, we would make journeys with stones, three different colors, symbolically, where we find lives that where we had power and and potential, where we used it for the good, where we misused it, and where we just had a shitty life, and we let all of these go. So for me, this is a symbol of the soul. I don't feel we are victims to our karma. I feel we live now in a time where actually karma goes fast. I feel if we do something out of out of the line, it comes back maybe within 24 hours. So I feel our soul is getting very light. Same like the whole frequency is going up and I feel our soul is now more open to really live who we truly are and connect to what some people call our monadic wisdom, which is the the wisdom of our essence. And I feel that is in the soul. So this is how I look at soul. Building on that, what does fulfillment mean to you? Fulfillment for me can be moments. I feel once we get a glimpse of fulfillment, it means that there is nothing that we want, there is nothing that we are attached to. It is recognizing that we already have everything abundantly, but not only that we have abundantly, but that we can also give abundantly. And the more we recognize that this fulfillment is actually a dynamic status. So sometimes I feel it's important to remember that you have everything and you are open to receive everything. So for me, it's also a little bit the fulfillment, the balance between giving and receiving, what we call in Quechua, in the shamanic uh, tradition, Aini. It's being in the right relationship, a reciprocal relationship with giving and receiving. If I only have everything, for me, that's not fulfilling. If I can't give and can't receive, then I'm not really fulfilled. Love it, love it. Uh, As we start to wrap up, if you were thinking of practical things we can do in our everyday human existence to help raise our consciousness and uh, connect with our deeper parts of ourselves, what would you recommend for people? I feel, first of all, it's really uh, important that you take time. Take time out of your busy day. What we're finding with most people, they, they just run. They run from morning till night. Then they go to sleep and are tired. I feel you need to start honoring yourself and just say, okay, half an hour, hour a day is really just for me. And really honor that time and make space for you if you choose to meditate during that time, if you choose to exercise during that time, or if you just choose to be in nature at that time, for me, that doesn't matter. But I feel what we're all really missing is that they call it spiritual discipline. Really, really take out time for you, for your whole being. You know, I hear so many people, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to exercise. Yes, you do. 
it's taking that really time and being being with it, have that grit to carry it through. This is this body that I have been given. I feel we need to start understanding that this is also a responsibility to take care of this physical body. It's a blessing and, and maybe it's also about grace, taking really, if you only take half an hour, hour for yourself and that being that you are, then I feel you go a very long way. That's really powerful, just that shift of thinking. We started this interview talking about how we had connected over, one of the things I remember is over Avatar, the movie, and just the story that, that sits inside that movie container. And now we're sort of closing out and you're talking about the responsibility that comes with having a body. It feels beautifully full circle. You can't predict these things. This is when you allow the flow. And I'm so grateful that you and I flow. Thank you for being with us today and sharing your wisdom. I'm thinking as we close out, could you, could you help us close this sacred space we've shared together with some of your beautiful sound? Yes, I would love to do that. And I brought a few of them. So I'm going to take a really nice and big one this time. And I would like to speak a few words, but I don't want us to be caught in words in our mind. If you don't mind, I would like to speak some words from the heart. Please do. Atira kamana tohoa, tira marerekereshetara otakea, matara kutkia ashete matora kitira mana. It's a time to dare. It's a time of choice. It's a time of love. If something in you stirred while listening to Patrick, I encourage you to get in touch. You can find ways to connect over at sonkosworlds.net. Cece and Patrick are leading some small group classes at the moment where they will help you deepen that connection with yourself. They include interactive classes as well as deep meditations and more of that amazing sound. Patrick and Cece also work with organizations and business to open meetings and create that space and energy and also do journeys one-on-one with clients. So Reach out if you would like more information. Sonko's Worlds, with an S on the end, dot net. And that is Patrick and Cece Sonko. 
You can find links over in the show notes, which are at heretothrive.com forward slash podcast 153. Always lovely to have you here and your reviews mean the world. So please do take the time to drop us a rating or review in iTunes. It helps more people find the show. In the meantime, I hope 2021 is treating you kindly so far and just keep thriving, beautiful people. We'll be back soon. Keep thriving.